Hello, welcome to Going Deeper. I'm Marcy Sklove, and I'm sitting with Al Miller today. This is part four of a wonderful interview I'm having with Al over uh, the course of, of two different days. Um, Al Miller is a wonderful local treasure. Uh, he's a farmer who has a farm, Brooks Bend Farm, um, in Montague. He's a past furniture maker, but still we're going to talk about the furniture a little bit, and a wonderful poet and published author. He is the recipient of the 2015 award from, per from Paragon? Yeah, Amherst Writers. And Amherst Arts. Writers and Artists. That, it's, it's the Pat Schneider Award. Um, so welcome. Thank you. Marcy. We're going to resume. During our little break, we were talking about how bizarre time is because we start a, mm. a half hour segment and like within seconds it's over and we're, we're just shocked. Um, but at the end of uh, part three, Al read this beautiful poem called David that won this prize. And uh, mm. it, it was quite something. Um, Thank you. I'm actually wondering if you should read it again. Um, Would that be okay? It's fine with me. Yeah, I just, I have a feeling that people might not see these um, episodes back to back. Okay. So if you don't mind, we can start with that. A poet getting to read his work out loud? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, mm. So the title of the poem is David. Um, and it uh, maybe explains that as if I read it. I don't remember clouds or the color of the sky, the sound of birds, who his father might have been, the significant trees in his life as a child, the way he ran to go home at the end of the day, the things he passed that told him who and where he was or if he had known the loyalties of a dog. When I think of him, I say David, though I never heard his name. When we found him, you couldn't tell if he was Asian, Anglo, or African, not as if anything was equal. I don't know if he had ever known the unity of a ball game. I think he might have been Chinese-American from California. I wonder if his grandfather had ever taken him fishing. We wrapped him in a poncho that would protect him from the rain, the poncho to a bamboo pole, carried him as if we were all going home that night in a pilgrimage of the bewildered. I regret the way that we dropped him to the ground mm. near morning, brushing one palm against the other as though we were finished. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, you were telling me about uh, gosh, you were telling me about when you were 
experiencing this. Right, carrying and this boy, David. Yeah. And, yeah. and then the the sequence of yeah. events. Do you wanna do you wanna say that little story? Yeah, I don't mind. Um so as we were carrying David that night, um, we'd been, you know, at really um, the emotional edge for you know, approaching 16, 18 hours by then. And there was a young man that was carrying with me, and he dropped his end of the pole and said, I can't do this anymore. I'm exhausted. I just can't go any further. And we had to get away from the ambush sites. We were too close to them. And I said, we have to, you know, pick yeah. it up and let's go on. And, you know, he was really at his end, so he pulled up his M16, locked and loaded it, pointed it at my oh, midsection my. and said, I can't do it anymore, Al. You can't make me. And I was probably just about as, as fried as he was. Yeah. And at my wit's end, so I brushed the M16 to the side and I slapped him more than once. Wow. And I said, pick it up and let's go. And he did. And um, then the sequence that we talked about and about the, the yeah. distortions of time was yeah. uh, five days later, moving across a small overgrown rice paddy towards a machine gun position. Yeah. And um, had to stop and moved two young boys along who had stopped and uh, I got shot then and uh, knocked down and knocked unconscious. And um, we talked about the sequence. I don't know if you want to do that again. So I could feel on my skin the tug of a projectile and feel the, it's in another poem called A Bullet Feels Like Mm-hmm. And it says the feeling the flesh tear, yeah. uh, rip like cloth, feel the bones break like a grip letting go. Um, we talked about just being unaware in your life of the scaffold of bones yeah. holding you upright. And then when that breaks and you feel like what's been happening, you weren't aware of. And then falling kind of down and into darkness and feeling yeah. the darkness come that you can't resist. You know, I think we feel like we can resist a cold or we can resist things in our, with our consciousness, but this yeah. weakness that came with that being shot, just overcoming um, resistance. Yeah. And then being on the ground for a period of time and um, coming back, well, unconscious, no sight, I mean, no sound and no light. And I hear a voice in my head say, isn't it interesting how you've chosen to live your life with a little, you know, a kind of humor? Yeah. It's like, isn't this interesting? It's like, I had choices? Wow. <laughs> of course. And, um, and the time aspect of that is almost like that voice was speaking to an older owl, you know, not an owl that could really respond at that age. Absolutely. And then, um, right out, so the light comes back, and I'm, I'm really terrified to move, that I'll be yeah. shot again if they think I'm still alive. And I look back, and I, a person is crawling out to me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's actually here in a poem called mm. Help Comes, but 
it is the person that I had slapped five nights before, and he's coming out. He doesn't know if I'm dead or alive, hmm. and he crawls out to see. Can wow. we read that? Yeah, definitely. So uh, help comes. I winked at him when he got close enough that I could clearly see his eyes were looking for a response. In my eyes, it felt right. A quiet, unobserved, silent declaration, long spotty stubble and dirt smudged on his round face. Even then, his thick glasses were in place. He rolled on his right side so that we were open to each other and unclipped a round, smooth, baseball-sized hand grenade from his web belt. He made a motion, like throwing, then nodded to the rear, asking, I thought, if I could stand and move toward the others. I winked again, always such a feeble form of communication, so full of the unspoken and assumed. Four days prior, this same boy raised his rifle, flipped, flipped its safety, pointed at my set, center, and said, I can't go any further, and you can't make me. He dropped the body we quite carried to tell me it had been a long day. On that morning, as I lay face down in the abandoned rice paddy, saw him on his belly crawling alone toward me, my still pot over part of my face, a fist-sized hole in the right edge, blood filling its basin, and the thin spray from my shoulder slowly dwindling. Hmm. Wow. And that, um, I don't know that boy's name. Really? I have no idea what his name was. He wasn't in your group. He was. He was, but he came um, really towards the end and kind of yeah. late. Yeah. And, uh, he just stopped learning the new people's names unless they lasted. Wow. A while. It was less risk. Right. Emotionally. Right. Yeah. More of the, in a way, the dehumanization. Yeah. Right. To not know a person's yeah. name. It's sort of what they say about uh, farm animals, that if you don't name them, uh -huh. it's easier to mm. slaughter them and eat them. Mm. Nobody ever told Suzanne that. <laughs> Does she name everyone? All sure. the lambs? Yeah. All the sheep? Yeah. Yeah. She does. Yeah. But um, thank you for letting me read wow. the poems. So the writing is so rich, and I know you've had a long relationship with mm. Pat Schneider and the uh, the whole model of Amherst writers and artists, the way yeah. they do the writing program. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like that's been mm. part of right. another piece of what's been part of the whole mix of the healing process or the Oh, I couldn't say anything other, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, hmm. you just trigger this desire for a response in me about Pat Schneider. Yeah. You know, she is just um, a treasure. Yeah. 
yeah. personally yeah. Um, because she made space for me in her workshop and said, you know, um, you can say anything mm. you need to say. Yeah. And I never heard that before. Wow. And I'll protect this space for you to do that. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. And she never failed on any moment wow. to offer me grace for the hardest places. Oh. You know, so you could, I could say St. Pat. <laughs> but um, yeah. she created the model AWA as a, it appears yeah. to me, a practice of love mm -hmm. as a way of nurturing um, the creative self yes. and others. Yeah. And it is a beautiful model. Yeah. And um, she is someone that I will forever owe. Oh. You know, it's like the fifth grade teacher that everyone mm -hmm. should have. Yeah. Who can look in and say, I see who you are. Wow. And pull it out and mm -hmm. nurture it, care for it, and help you yeah. bring it forward on your own. She's that person, but she's done that for hundreds yes. of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, still, the model is worldwide. Yeah, so You've rippling heard. out. Yeah. 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 Uh, so she's um, a very dear friend. Mm. We're both from the same part of the country. Yeah. And the uh, first time I talked to her on the phone, she said, where are you from, boy? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, That's great. Yeah, so. So for viewers, uh, I did interview Pat Schneider when she was a recipient of the Sammy Awards. Mm. That was like two years ago. Right. And uh, mm. that, that was beautiful. Al, I want to talk a little bit about the farming. Please. Um, because yeah. it seems like the farming is something that comes before the war, of course. That's like in your bones, how you were raised and everything. But there's also this sense of such connection and beauty and intention that you do the farming, mm -hmm. with which you do the farming. Mm -hmm. That, I don't know if that's the same thing as it was when, you know, in, in your community growing up or, or not. Mm. Well, it's interesting, I think there there is something in that still existed. One of my brothers farmed for 60 years in Missouri, southern Missouri, and now his son owns that same farm. Oh, and it continues. Yeah. Um, and there was, still happens that if someone was in trouble mm -hmm. um, in any way or needed help, everybody showed up mm. to help them so that what you could say is there's this awareness yeah. that travels the ground. And um, it's still um, the generation of my brother still have their properties, and they just kind of let my nephew, mm. you know, come farm this, and I can't do it anymore. Yeah. And then they're there for if he needs help. Sure. Still. Uh, and so that. There's something in that that's mm -hmm. more than just the action. Yeah. It is the consideration of the other. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so when we got this farm, yeah. I had these fantasies of this old-fashioned farm style yeah. where we had chickens and we had sheep and we had cows yeah. and we had turkeys and I had bees. 
And then <laughs> I didn't have the energy. Because <laughs> it was just you. Yeah. There wasn't this and extended community of yeah. help. Yeah. Not, not then. Yeah. And it was too much. And then I got Lyme disease and Ooh. I didn't feel like um, we could do, I could work that way. But we felt like we, the farm was large enough to meet several th people yeah. beyond ourselves. So we put it, I started to tap. Um, so we put it out to our community that if people wanted to try something and needed some land for it, you know, mm. to approach us with ideas. And shortly, Suzanne went to a Grange meeting and met uh, Neil Bovard, mm -hmm. who was looking for a place for uh, a kids program. And I meant to slide a photograph in. So this programs oh, have grown and grown and grown on the farm. And now in the, there's without a restriction of the commentary, it is the greatest thing the farm does. Really? Are these kids programs. And we get to sit back and watch kids come as nine-year-olds yeah. and leave as 16-year-olds and see the progression. Oh and they're outdoors, in the woods, nine months out of the year, regardless of the weather. And they come back from a day out with, I mean, just outrageous smiles and oh. grins on their face. And you see them becoming young adults. Yeah. And in, in this rich experience, of having mentors in the woods hmm. guiding them to experience, not telling anyone what the experience is or should be, yeah. but just guiding people to have experience in nature. Huh. And it is phenomenal. I did an adult class with Neil this past winter, wow. and uh, I'd do it again next year if he wow. offers it. Yeah. Um, he just has prepared himself with uh, just this body of natural wisdom mm. and uh, wisdom of the land, of animals' movements, of tracking, and shares that, mm. opens the book up for you uh, yeah. to begin to learn external tracking as a method of also tracking <laughs> internally. Wow, and that's so beautiful. He, he exposes the kids to it, and <laughs> a lot of the little guys, nine years old, can make their own fire from found objects in the woods. Mm. And I think about how would that have been as a nine-year-old boy mm -hmm. to have the confidence that I can make a fire anytime I want. Mm. Uh, and it would be life-changing yeah. uh, for that little guy to have that kind of confidence. Sure. And the kids skin, whatever they find on the road come into program. and. Uh, they can, they can skin things, they can make bows, they can make yeah. arrows, um, they can track, they can identify birds, trees. Um, and this other thing is happening inside of them. Mm -hmm. And it's um, one of the rich observance of my life yeah. to see this happening. And it is an antidote, yes. like you can imagine, mm -hmm. to um, caring for um, the farm and for these young people yeah. and older people. So we opened the farm up to lots of enterprises mm. through the wisdom of my wife, mm. Suzanne, yeah. and uh, we have um, Clearpath Herbals, Chris Morano mm. has teaching gardens there and raises some of his apothecary there. Wow. There's a young farmer there that has draft horses. 
Tyler Sage. Uh, there's young women who have a flower uh, business there and raising duck eggs. And so it's just become this thing I think we both dreamed about for mm -hmm. a long time, mm -hmm. uh, a way of socializing people in nature and yes. farming. So it's very... This is really interesting. I didn't know any of that was going on. Oh. That's wonderful. Oh. Yeah, it's just... Do you still have the sheep? We have sheep, and that's... We step way back. Yeah. Suzanne still makes rugs and blankets with oh, the sheep. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. With the wool. And uh, they're Shetland, so they're multicolored. Mm. And, uh, we have a blanket. It's just uh, my favorite thing. Those uh, are beautiful. Yeah. And it's such a pleasure to yeah. bring it, you know. And also, all the didn't way. didn't Suzanne design the uh, pattern for the weaving? Yeah, collaboration with the okay. weaver. With the weaver, yeah. Yeah, and it's now called, I think, the Brooks Bend Wharf. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really sweet. Yeah. Huh. And uh, one of the experiences that you told me about earlier was your relationship with the sheep. Oh, it's interesting <laughs> what, you know, what we come as human beings to relationships with animals, with our arrogance. Mm. And um, we got dogs too, uh, livestock dogs, and I was trying to work with them and make them learn my way. And it wasn't going well. <laughs> and when I finally realized that she had a way she wanted to work, and I said, okay, what do you want to do? And we got along a lot better, Yeah. and everything went better. But the sheep, um, I decided that I could listen to them, and I would begin to get aware, become aware that they were, had a definite communication system. Hmm. I could be coming in, out, one sheep would announce that I'm coming, and the rest of them would raise their head and turn to me. Um, so something's happening. Yeah. What is it? And then I noticed vocalizations that were different. Hmm. Um, like if there was a sheep that got out, it would cause kind of a little panic in the herd because as a prey animal, they're very yeah. much herd animals yeah. uh, for protection. And so I could be in the house and hear a change in their vocalization and wow. understand that, you know, something's up, I need to go check. But then when lambing came, mm -hmm. you know, um, your awareness definitely gets a little heightened um, because it's an exciting time. Mm -hmm. But, um, and I hesitate to say this, but I felt like the, the, the ewes could let me know during the night, it's like, you need to get out to the barn. <laughs> definitely, I think that, I totally yeah. can see that happening. Yeah, and it, it would be the case. Yeah. They would be in labor, something was going maybe a little wrong. And they, they were trusting you to that extent. In our first lambing season, this old, um, her name was Licorice, mm -hmm. uh, so you can imagine her color. Yeah. And she was very dark, and she was cleaning the lamb up. Um, and they immediately start this mothering that is just so profound and tender. Mm. They're cleaning, but they're vocalizing the whole time mm. to the lamb. Uh, and it's just this 
what is it? You know, there's a nurturance in the sound they're making and a connection. Yeah. And the lamb is imprinting on just this voice. So when they call each other, they can sort it in a herd uh, where their mother is wow. because it's the one that they've been imprinted on from birth. Um, but um, she's cleaning one lamb and she, with her head, goes over and points to the ground yeah. for me. And I go over there and there's a stillborn lamb. Oh. And she's, I felt like she's, you know, can you help me here? Wow. And she went back to work on the lamb that was alive, yeah. but kept looking. And um, at that time, I didn't know very many skills about how to try to help the little lamb. Yeah. But, uh, the veil was still over the head, so we oh. cleared that, but I couldn't get it going again. Yeah. I since learned some things that could have helped, but I didn't know them at the time. Wow. But she was telling me where that lamb was. Um, I, I didn't even know it had been born at the time. Wow. And it was there on the ground. Yeah. So, you know, it's just uh, over time there's this relationship. Yeah, that's right. And then you begin to see that they have their relationship, they have their matriarchal groups yeah. of yeah. granddaughters, daughters, and mothers that still even bed together yeah. in, in, a, in association with each other within the herd. Right. Um, and so, it, you know, it's just expanded um, world connection. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, to the sentient beings as well as uh, right. human sentience. Yeah. Yeah, and that that so, field of sentience is a little bit larger than sometimes we're told. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I um. I've been given the little sign that we have <laughs> about two minutes left. Wow. And I want to just ask you because we've mm. now been talking, you know done a lot of talking together. Mm. Is there anything, last thing that you want to say and talk about? I mean, shortly, not in a long, long way, but in a short way. Uh, you know, I really want to express my gratitude to you mm. for asking me to do this with you and how much, how pleasurable it's been for me to be with you in this way and to mm -hmm. have you uh, have a conversation with you like this and for you to lead me and this, this conversation has been delightful. Oh, thank you um, so much. As friends, <laughs> yeah. you know, I just um, I'm very grateful to you for the opportunity, Marcy. Wow. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. I also just want to say that Amherst Media is in a time when they can really use some more volunteer help. So if you're at all interested in learning how to be a techie, it's a lot of fun. I've done it. And uh, they can always use some more help. So on that note, thank you. <laughs>